0: Welcome to the First Impressions Podcast, the official podcast of the Forum of Instant Response and Security Teams. Every month, Chris-John Riley and myself, Martin McKay, share informal conversations with security professionals from around the globe. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers alone, and any sarcasm you hear is purely intentional. For more information on FIRST or this podcast, please check out FIRST.org.
1: Welcome to the podcast today. I'm running solo today as Martin's a little bit busy. So we're talking to Yaramir Moshashi, Senior Cyber Threat Researcher at Trend Micro Research. I hope I got the name kind
2: of in the ballpark. Yeah, it's correct.
1: It's good. Wow, wonderful. So it's off to a good start. So you're going to be presenting at the upcoming FIRST Conference in Montreal on abusing electron-based applications in targeted attacks. Tell us a little bit about what brought you to that kind of research and and what you're gonna be talking about at the conference.
2: Yeah, so I'll talk a little bit about about my job and about my background. So I work as cyber threat researcher. So it means that I'm like every day or all the time, I'm just looking for new interesting samples, new interesting threats. So for me, I just get uh, different samples. I just analyze them. I do reverse engineering. And if I see something very interesting, I publish blog posts. In the end of the last year, I was author of three different blog posts. Even though these blog posts have or had were completely like different, they were like by or they were caused by, or the, the attacks were caused by the different groups, they had one thing in common. And this thing was they had been abusing electron-based applications. So for me, it was quite interesting topic because for me as a reverse engineer, like analyzing these uh, electron-based applications was something different, which I haven't done before. So for me, it was quite interesting. I would say the findings were quite interesting. So I decided to make the presentation for upcoming first conference.
1: That's interesting because uh, electron applications, they have a a, a history, should we say, in the security area. There's a lot of... Issues with outdated versions of Chromium and effectively XSS becoming remote code execution within Electron, but that's more kind of abusing certain kind of application. Is that what you're seeing here in in these you know, Trojanized versions, or are you just seeing people taking existing Electron apps and then you know tweaking them to do malicious uh, things?
2: I have seen both, and in my presentation, I'll talk about both things. So I'll be talking about like three kind of like in in the wild cases in two of them the threat actor somehow got the access to the publisher of the software and they just made some modifications of the software and they usually patch it and the software becomes trojanized so the, the when the software gets uh, gets installed by like the normal user base, they don't know about it. The victims don't know about it, but in reality, they download trojanized software which has the downloader or backdoor capabilities. So these are this is the case, or this is the, this is what happened in two cases, and in the third case, it was the situation when when a victim was using the electron-based application, some kind of chat application, the threat actor sent them some payload. When the victim ran the payload, the exploit was run, and the application was, or the victim was um, was infected, and then as a part of the infection, then the application was trojanized. So there are like two different kind of scenarios, and I'll be talking about both of them.
1: Well, they both seem pretty bad. I mean, obviously the so the first ones you mentioned around the applications being trojanized at the the point of source is is yes. certainly. Uh, interesting, it's a a good way of spreading your malware very widely because then technically anyone who has that version would then receive an update with the trojanized version.
2: Is that effective? Yes. It's basically, it's called like supply chain attacks, the the scenario we are talking about. And it's, I would say, the most dangerous because in many cases, the user of some application which gets trojanized, they don't expect any malware inside. They think that they downloaded it from the original developer, from the original source, and it means that um, uh, that when this application gets Trojanized, it's very easy, or very very easy to kind of infect the victims because it doesn't, it usually doesn't need any other input from the the victim, like download some email or execute some suspicious file which arrived by email. In many cases, you have already an application which is installed, then you update it because the software developers usually do some updates, so just update it and get infected.
1: We've seen that used in a a number of areas, SolarWinds attacks, things like that, which are very supply chain-based. It's interesting to see it on Electron applications, but I guess this kind of attack is usable across all different types of applications.
2: I I mean, any application can get or can, can become like victim of this supply chain attack, so it doesn't matter if it is electron-based application or any other.
1: And for these kind of issues, I guess, as an end user, it's very hard to protect yourself. Right? Effectively, it's just an update coming from the original vendor. If you go back and try and validate that it comes from the vendor, it's going to look legit because it does come from the original vendor. What kind of things can users do to protect themselves? Or, or is it very much a case of picking who you trust and making sure that you know the actual vendor of the software is doing their due diligence and making sure that their environments are secure?
2: Difficult to say, like how how to protect from this because you know even I or you could could get infected by this type of attack. But I would say that like one one important thing is at least at least what for more technical capable users, for example, as me or as as uh, as us is that even if you I download some new update or new application from official source, just try to try to see like what what is going on in the background. Maybe there are like some new processes which haven't been there before, or maybe there is some suspicious communication with suspicious server, which I can see with tools like Wireshark or Fiddler, something like that. It's becoming
1: increasingly harder for for users to make sure they're secure, right? Effectively, you have to become a cybersecurity expert to make sure your applications are only doing what they're meant to do. And then even then, it's, it's it's a lot of work. So, switching to kind of how you've seen these threat actors abusing this, have you just seen it used as a, a deployment mechanism for the next next layer of malware, or are they adjusting the Electron apps to do malicious things by themselves?
2: Uh, usually, the Electron application contains only small piece of code, which is usually downloader or simple backdoor. And I should also mention that these electron-based applications, their source code is written usually in combi- as a combination of HTML, JavaScript, and CSS. So they use these kind of web technologies. So the threat actor usually modifies the piece of code in this electron application. It's usually JavaScript. And in the JavaScript, I have seen either downloader, which connects to some uh, malicious server, downloads, and executes the payload. Or there is small, simple backdoor written in JavaScript, which downloads additional JavaScript code, which uh, does another tasks.
1: Seems like low barrier to entry, right? As a if a malicious user wants to change this kind of code, it's not highly complex and it's not specific to the individual manufacturers of the software. So it seems like a very easy thing to to take that code and make it do something malicious in the background.
2: Great thing about uh, electron applications but it's from developer's point of view is that you can have just one code base and you can just compile the code just by one command and you can get executables for Linux, for Mac OS, and for Windows.
1: Uh, right, once exploit everywhere. I think uh, that was the logo of Java previously, but I guess uh, times have moved now. With multiple threat actors all abusing these kind of channels, are you seeing connections between the threat actors or is it simply one or two threat actors started to Realized that this is a possible vector, and then everyone has, has jumped on the bandwagon and copying it. Or is this more of a coordinated series of attacks?
2: In in these cases, which I observed, I think it's just coincidence that different actors noticed that these applications are popular, and they just found found a way how to how to modify them. Because if you look at uh, website of Electron project or Electron framework. You can see that nowadays they boast themselves that maybe 500 or more quite popular applications use them. So it's very popular, so it makes sense, or it's natural for predictors to take advantage of popular, popular things, which are used by uh, many other users.
1: So if, if people are interested in more of your research, I know you mentioned you've written several blog posts on this. Yes. Where can, where can they head to find out more information about uh, this yes. kind of issues?
2: So, if you are interested specifically about these blog posts, you can just Google and search for my name, and with Trend blog post, Trend blog, and you can find the link. Great, and if
1: people are interested, you're going to be presenting at the, the first conference in Montreal at the beginning of June, um, yes. and uh, hopefully we can continue the conversation there. It sounds like a like an interesting discovery and uh, worth digging into.
2: Yeah, definitely. That's like one reasons why go to conferences to share my research so if listeners go there too and want to meet with me and talk then i'm ready to answer their questions
1: thank you very much for for joining some podcast really appreciate it and uh, look forward to seeing you in montreal
2: okay. thank you for invitation
0: thank you for listening to the first impressions podcast and thanks to this week's guest you can find Chris John reilly on twitter at Chris John Riley, all one word. You can find me, Martin McKay, on Twitter at MCKEAY. And you can find the FIRST organization at FIRST.org. F I R S T D O T O R G. You can also find more information about FIRST and the First Impressions podcast at FIRST.org. Thanks again for listening.